we started thinking about what are we really passionate about? What are the things we care about? And what are the things that will shape uh, the way we're going to build uptick? Hi, my name is Chris Dowd, and welcome to Let's Talk Teams, a podcast by Uptick, the one-on-one software that helps managers and their teams get on the same page. Not just talking about status updates or what's going on on a project, but it really helps you dig into the nitty-gritty things, the things that matter when it comes to professional and personal development and how the team is doing, the kind of things that you never really get to talk about, but you need to talk about in order to develop the kind of team that you want to have. Every company starts somewhere, and it's often with the passionate belief that the founders have. The same is true of Uptick. In this episode, Michael and I talk about the things that motivate us as an Uptick team and how we're using that to build our product. So I remember about, oh, about 11 years ago, 2009, 2010, watching a video by a guy named Simon Sinek, who was a business consultant, analyst, kind of genius guru guy. And he gave a TED talk. And I watched that talk and it was literally life-changing for me because he talked about the fact that some of the brands that we know the best and love the best, like Apple and others, really don't sell what they do. They sell why they do it. So in other Mm -hmm. words, the new Macintosh wasn't, you know, in 1984, wasn't a bucket of, you know, better chips and better graphic cards and stuff like that. It was actually just a better experience that they hope to change the world. Now, not every company is looking to change the world, I get it, but I I immediately thought, this is something that I want to do because I'm a passionate guy and I want to believe in what I'm doing. So I sat down with my leadership team back in the day in the company I was in, and we wrote our own set of we believe statements, which was really, it was fun to do, and it was Mm -hmm. exciting to see how it fueled our strategy because we started thinking about what do we really care about? And Michael, I know when you and I first sat down and started talking about uh, uptick, we were sitting at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> we were, you know, it was it was one of those things. I just wanted to show you some ideas and mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about what you felt when you when we started talking about that. Yeah, well, what we were talking about was uh, performance reviews at the time and just helping to have people better relationships between their team members and the, and the managers of their teams, and giving them ways that they could have better relationships through better, more clear communication. Uh, without things that are being so vague or just trying to guess at what happened in the past. And what really sparked it for me was thinking about how it's a problem that everybody has. Every business has employees, has teams, have managers that there's weird power dynamics with. And if we could do something that would be able to change the nature of the relationship or encourage change in the nature of the relationship, that would be doing a really good thing for really any business that would be interested in solving that problem. Yeah, for sure. And then we we did some um, we did some vetting on the internet, asking some questions of people, and some of the responses we got were just heartbreaking. Uh, in fact, I remember reading one and just uh, being so brokenhearted that I read it to our CEO, and he was crying when I finished it. Just somebody talking about the experience that they had at work, some place where they spend most mm-hmm. of their day. It was just a miserable experience. And so we sort of moved on from performance reviews to get to what we thought was really the crux of the issue, and that was relationships, the relationships mm-hmm. between teams, between managers and their team members, and and just how do we make that a better experience? And so we started thinking about what are we really passionate about? What are the things we care about? And what are the things that will shape 
uh, the way we're going to build uptick. And, and that's been really fun as a team to talk about that kind of stuff. And so uh, we wrote a blog and it, we'll have that in the show notes. And we'll also put Simon Sinek's video link in there as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can read it, but we thought we'd talk about it a little bit and get two different people's perspective. Uh, I'm an old guy, <laughs> been around a long time, and, uh, and Michael's not an old guy. Um, but he's had lots of different experiences in the workplace that have helped shape part of the part of the, what he brings to the table in building this. Michael and I are co-founders of the product, and so we talk a lot about this stuff, a lot about what we care about. And uh, it's been a fun give and take for me because Michael sees things I don't see, and and you know I perhaps have some experience that he doesn't have. So it's been really, really good. Um, yeah. But the first one we talk about is we believe that all people are inherently valuable. And therefore imbued with dignity and purpose. Michael, you have something to say about that one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to look at teams in a little transactional way, uh, especially if you're leading a team and you're just kind of knowing like the uh, burdens that are put on you and the what's being expected of you. You're just kind of thinking about what needs to happen. Not that you're only thinking of yourself, but uh, we always think a lot about what what our expectations are and what do we need to do to to fulfill those expectations. And sometimes when you think about your team, it's just everyone that's there to help get get the, the job done and it's easy to forget that each person is an individual person living their own life that is valuable and they're fighting their own battle that you know nothing about and or may know nothing about depending on how close you are with your team. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that's just so important to believe that every person is worthy of being treated as a whole person and it's it's so easy to just not do that. Uh, but it's the teams that do that 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 really treat each person with dignity and respect and thinking about them more than just their work output that they create the kind of teams that more get done on that are more productive, happier, and just more fun to be a part of. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it's been my experience too. Just, uh, I see teams that genuinely care about each other as individuals and it matters. And I think as a manager, uh, sometimes it's a little bit easy and this sort of flows into the next one. And I'll, I'll, I'll share that one too. It's really easy to do a one size fits all management style. But the second thing we talk about in this in this blog is we believe that every person is completely unique and that the gifts and abilities they bring to work should be acknowledged and given room to blossom. And honestly, that's hard work for a manager sometimes. Uh, it'd be really great if you could if you could uh, just say, well, everybody's the same. I'm going to treat them the same. I have four kids. And uh, for those familiar with the Strengths Finder, my wife has individualization, which means she naturally views every single person as being unique, and she wants to find the perfect gift or the, you know, mm-hmm. when we go into a gift shop for our kids, uh, I don't have individualization, so I want to go in and buy four pens <laughs> and I'm out to my kids. Hey, here's your <laughs> pen. Way to go, you know? And and my wife isn't like that at all. She, she'll spend an hour and a half in the gift shop picking out the perfect gift for each kid. And I think as a manager, what you want to be able to do is look at each person as a gift to your team. And how do I give them the perfect sort of leadership uh, support that they need for their gifts and abilities uh, in particular. Yeah, you know, something I heard recently that was, it sounds, it's contrarian, but also I think it's a little bit uh, more accurate than we might want to believe it is, is that you shouldn't, uh, the the golden rule actually isn't that great. Shouldn't treat everyone how you want to be treated. Now it's a little bit of a clickbait headline, but if you (laughs) just treat people how you choose to be treated, then you're just going to be treating everybody like yourself and not as they may like mm. to be approached. Now you think about it like socially, 
uh, introverts, extroverts, direct communication, more indirect, or, you know, what does someone need? Like maybe someone doesn't need as much encouragement and they need a little more direct feedback or that's what they prefer. Uh, but someone else who wants to be built up too in the middle of getting some feedback. So like I am a kind of straight shooter, like get straight to the punch kind of a person. I'm not, not big for small talk. That's partially just like socially difference thing for me, but I know that not everyone's like that. And if like when you and I talk, Chris, like we know each other well enough, we don't front or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But like, I just know that that's something that like you and I are going to do more of because it's more natural for you. But you also know that like, I like to get to it, especially if we're talking about something in the middle of the day. Um, so we, we treat each other, not just as we would choose to be treated, but we treat each other with our individual characteristics. Yeah. And you know, in this time we're recording this on March 26th of 2020. So we're right in the middle of the coronavirus stuff. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. shut down. They sh- they're shutting down our state tomorrow. And, uh, and, and it, it's interesting because if you try to treat everybody the same way in this setup, we're really going to miss because yeah, we've got sure. people that are thriving. Like, um, I won't speak for you, Michael, but I know that you're thriving in this because you love the sort of being able to get work done and really plow into it and have some um, isolation, even though you're a social guy, um, you know, isolation where we have people that are just dying in this atmosphere. They're just, you know, they have little yeah. kids at home. They can't get anything done. Or we've got extroverts who are you know, just dying to have a conversation. And what I love about that is that you've taken the initiative to not uh, observe the golden rule and actually go, hey, I'm going to make myself available to chat with people when I'm making coffee, just like I would at the office. Finding ways to meet people where they are as opposed to demanding that they meet you where you are. I think that's a great, mm-hmm. great example. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. And even just thinking about, uh, how do you work together? How do you like to be communicated with? Uh, but also when I think about like wh- being honest with things that are truly just matters of opinion rather than matters of fact, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. like when we're debating ideas about like, you know, where, where should we go with the product or just different marketing ideas. Like just cause an idea is different doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, in trying to get more specific about that and being intentional to make sure we're debating ideas, not people and what's, what's opinion and what's, what's fact and being able to, call a spade a spade there. Yeah. And just a little nuance to that. Uh, uh, we had a conversation a couple of years ago, we were talking with somebody who was sort of an expert and I was disagreeing with them and I was kind of backing off my disagreement. And you looked at me and said, look, just because you disagree with them doesn't mean you're wrong. And it was, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I bring my own thing to the table too, just like they're bringing their thing to the table. And I want to defer to the expertise of someone who's done it, but it's okay for me to voice my opinion and be a little bit a little bit different in that sense. So, well, one of the, yeah. the next one is really interesting because we talk a lot about this in, in our company. We actually believe that all people were created to work. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean where you're working, you're going to, you know, packing up, going to an office, sitting down at a chair and, and working, uh, you know, eight hours a day in that chair, but all people are created to work. And no matter where or how they live that out, working with energy, excellence, and passion is part mm-hmm. of living out our purpose. Talk a little bit about that in your life and what you what you see along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I think work looks so different for any given person, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, someone whose whose life's work is raising the family, or someone who's working at a large company or in a nonprofit or in some sort of ministry, or whatever it is, basically that you're setting your hands to the work that you're doing. But mm-hmm. in anything that you set out to do, if you're not able to do it with energy and the desire to do it with excellence. And it's not something that, uh, 
you're passionate about it's it's a it's a bummer because what you're able to do is just cut short if you're not able to bring your full self into it and mm-hmm. so what we really believe is that like, we're all meant to do something we're not meant to just sit around and watch the watch the clouds go by relaxation and and uh reprieve are important to being able to do uh great things what, whatever those things may be but we really think that if you're not able to bring that energy or excellence or, or uh, passionate about whatever you're doing, um, the the work that you're doing just will come up shorter than what you're capable of. And it's mm. less of like a person who's not putting in enough effort or trying hard enough, but sometimes it just comes down to fit. And I think it's really important for, as a manager, thinking about your team and identifying the people that are really thriving uh, in that sense, I suppose. Or also the people that are not, and trying to figure out what is about it that um, maybe someone doesn't feel quite as engaged, or they don't take as much ownership over a project. It's rarely because they don't care. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something else going on, and it's really on the important for the manager to take that role and to see, like, you know, what it is, what can I do? Because maybe you can't do everything. Maybe the circumstances are outside of your control. But what can you do to help your team members be able to bring their full self to work in that way? Yeah, you know, there's a couple questions that we use in our default questions with Uptick that I think helped me identify those things in people. One of them is when we ask people when they're on a really productive streak. Because typically, people get on a productive streak when they're doing something that they're passionate about, that they care about, that they feel that they're good at. And and then the other question we ask is, what are you proud of from the last week of work? And it's been interesting for me as people have answered those questions, because sometimes I'm surprised by the sort of things, and I think they're surprised by the things that energize them. As an example, Mm -hmm. uh, we have a guy on our team who likes a certain type of work. He likes to work a certain way. He likes to be able to take a bigger project and really, really hammer it all the way home. Um, He was working on a project that was kind of ugly, and he did not like the actual work. But every time that he came into his one-on-one, he said it was energizing and challenging because he was solving a problem that that was hard and big. And I started to realize after a while, for him, it was less important what language he was coding in or the sorts of things he was actually working on. What was more important was that it was a really hard problem that he could put, he could lean into with his intelligence and, and his expertise. That's way different than somebody who says, like, I, I, my best work is done, I'm most energized by um, collaborating with other people. We've got some people on our mm-hmm. team like that. They love mm-hmm. collaboration. So as a manager, my job is like, okay, how can I find ways, even if it's hard, how do I find ways to put them in positions where they feel like they can win, where they've got that purpose and that energy and that that sort of drive to do something because it really fits into their gift set. And I think, um, I, I hope that team members feel the freedom to share that with their managers and then managers will take it seriously. Like, hey, this is a way I can really, uh, really support my team. Yeah, and that weaves right into the next the next piece that you, mm-hmm. you have written here is that we believe that the hours spent at work should generally be happy, focused, affirming, and energizing. And if and if you're doing the th- certain things that are going to allow someone to have those traits, you're hopefully you're doing a good job as a manager with those exact things that you just shared, Chris. Yeah, you know, you've had a couple of really interesting different people reporting to you in the last year. So when you think of happy, focused, affirming, and energizing, particularly for the two people you know that I'm thinking of, how do you think of those differently? Because those people could not be any more different. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to 
uh, work style and just knowing them as a person and figuring out what does this person need to to be energized. Like I'm a I'm an introvert, and not that that like defines everything about who I am, but it, it kind of gives anybody who's watching or listening a, an idea of kind of like my natural bent. Mm-hmm. And someone who's like more driven, self starter, just needs to be pointed in a in a direction. Versus someone who wants to know, kind of like, well, what? Give me a little more detail. Give me the bounds. What I, what do I need so that I can deliver successfully for you? And so, like, I'm a person who, like, if you give me like too many details, too many rails, then I start to wonder. Like, I'll have to, I'll fight for finding something that I can mm. define. Mm-hmm. Uh, where other people, like, they want the structure. They don't want to have to define as much of it because they want to know what you want. I want to serve you. I want to. Not necessarily about serving you, but like you have a vision. I want to help make the vision happen, but I need you to tell me what you really want to make that happen. And so those are like two different scenarios. And I just had to adapt a little bit more of what my um, style is or how I would communicate different projects so that that outcome could still be good for both of us based on what I was able to, how I framed up a project or how we talked or how I gave feedback. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah, I can see where you're energized in a lot of ways by open road. Where other people uh, really want a much more a much more defined uh, project when they dive in, and that's energizing to them. Which for you is probably demotivating. If somebody tells you everything they want you to do, you're like, "No, I need freedom," you know. And and other yeah, people yeah. they want more direction. And 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 I've I've seen the same thing. Some people want to know exactly what bar they have to jump over to win. So if I say if we're doing the high jump, I say if you jump six feet, you win. They will work their tail off to get to six feet. Um, some people are like you, like, you don't want to hear that. You're like, I'm going to go as high. I can go until I break my neck. You know I mean? It's just a, it's just a different style of person and understanding who that is on your team is, is super important. Yeah. And um, both are good and both are important and yeah. you need both to go around. Uh, and so it's, it's not a thing of like the right or wrong work style. I think it comes back to all around treating each person as an individual, caring about them, that they're worthy of their 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 style and what they do is worthy in, in its own right. So it's kind of like a lot of our statements, like coming through this, we believe they all cascade one on top of the other. They really do. And, and the next one is super fundamental to the way we think. And therefore, um, this is one of these that if somebody doesn't believe, well, I guess they're all this way. If you don't believe these things, Uptick probably won't be a really great fit for your organization because we've built it around these things. But the next mm-hmm. one where we believe that collaboration, not authority, is the best way to characterize a growing, productive, and healthy team is super important. A couple months ago, I had a, a friend of mine, uh, I was having dinner with him, and we were talking about Uptick. And I was sharing with him all the stuff we were doing, and I was talking about these kind of things. And he just looked at me dead in the eyes, and he said, that's stupid. I would never use it. People just need to do their job. And I went, okay. Um, and we just moved on with the dinner. It was a delightful dinner with our friends, but we didn't talk anymore about Uptick because we believe strongly that it's a collaboration between the manager and the employee that really matters. Talk to me about when when we we hired a very talented woman a uh, year, year and a half ago or so. I, I don't remember exactly when. But when when you were onboarding her, you spent a lot of time in collaboration to kind of figure out the best way to lead her. What were the sorts of things you talked about and how did you live out that collaborative spirit? Uh, probably sound a little bit like a broken record, but it was more around like, you know, this is a new person. We're going to be a two-person team. We're going to work really closely together. If we're going to work well together, uh, and we want to, it's going to take some time mm-hmm. to figure out, A, I, need, I needed that person to figure out, you know, where 
where am I coming at these projects from? So bringing in some histories, a lot of context. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? A lot of just just getting on the same page is really what I was all about from the beginning. Um, with only two people working on the team, as I said, there wasn't other people for her necessarily to like go to to get the same context. Or she could get mm-hmm. it from like other people tangential just from talking to other people at the company, and she did. It was great. Um, but the time spent early on was mainly just to like make sure we were on the same page and figure out, I know, how do I work well? So she could understand how I work well and also vice versa. I needed to understand how she worked so that we could work well together. And it was really just all about that. How do you make sure that we're having a good close working relationship? Because if it, if you don't start with trying to form it, then you may realize later that you need to form it. And at that point it's going to be too late for solving like beginnings of like ruffled feathers that are not going to go well. And, uh, being able to attack it head on first it gives you ex- exposes things for you. Like I'm not a perfect worker. You're mm-hmm. not a perfect worker and neither is any other person that we're ever going to meet. And so whenever we're like approaching a task and getting to work with someone new, uh, like just this week, um, where two new people are coming on officially full-time at the company and mm-hmm. that's really exciting and that's awesome. And, but it's all going to take some time to figure out, you know, what do we do? That's weird. We're going to find out some things that we do. That's weird. Yeah. And, uh, really that comes down to, the communication, not authority, because we don't get to decide if what we do is weird. Like other people who experience it for the first time and it's fresh for them. Like mm-hmm. it's super dumb that you guys do meetings this way. Like we want to know things that feel weird to someone who's seeing it right. with fresh eyes. Right. One of the things too along those lines, I think when we talk about collaboration, if you're going to have that sort of team, the other thing you're going to have is conflict, which is a really good thing if it's done in the right way. I mean, Michael, you and I have had some great conflict over the years. Uh, Most of it's been good, but it's always been good when we've resolved it. But part of the reason we have conflict is because we're bringing different ideas to the table and we feel passionately about them and we go back and forth and we we do it. Now, if I just pulled out the boss card every time we have a conversation, it was like, well, that's that's great, Michael, but I'm the boss. We're going to do it this way. I, I think we would have. A re- I hope I don't do that. By the way, <laughs> but I. I uh, uh, thanks. But I, it's one of those things where immediately we would have a very different product, a different company, a different team, and I think managers need to be really careful about not squashing the collaborative spirit. Which and and I've done it plenty, but mm-hmm. but to be able to kind of leave it open, kind of let it play out, is really hard for managers. Yeah, I mean, I I experienced that. A lot, and it's not even with people that I'm in a a manager role too. Even just like coworkers, we're working together on something. I'm driven. I'll have a strong opinion. I've got a really specific idea of why it should go a certain way, and then oftentimes I feel I realize that I haven't thought it all the way through, or someone else has brought another uh, bit of perspective or some different color to it. And it's not necessarily that I was wrong and they were right. It's rarely that black and white. It's mm-hmm. oh, we didn't consider this, and I then it rounds out and becomes better. Right. And so I think it's really. Uh, you need to carefully find what is what is the line when you have to put your foot down and say, no, this is the way we're going to go because mm-hmm. you're spending social capital when you do that. You're shutting other people right. down and you got to spend that carefully. And most of the time, the first idea you have or even the one that you bring to the team can be enriched by other people's input, other people's feedback because mm-hmm. you're only one, one person out of every single person in the world that will experience that idea. Chances are it can be made stronger. Man, that's such a good point. I love that. And and it kind of flows into the next the next we believe statement that we believe a manager's chief duty is to support and encourage their team. And and that's that's team 
as a group of individuals and team as the individuals themselves. And I think for me, um, one of the things I learned early on in managing was that my job was not to somehow uh, gather all of the tasks that were important to the team and delegate them perfectly to the different people. My job was to look at the big picture of the team and give people responsibility that then they could take based on what we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Some people want you know, strict rails, some people want more freedom. But based on who they are, giving them the kind of support and the sort of encouragement and resources, whether it's money or the right stuff. I, I know you're really passionate, Michael, about making sure that the people that are working with us have the tools and the and the processes they need to be successful. Talk a little bit about, you know, when you're leading somebody, what are the things you're thinking about in terms of their support and their care? Yeah, I'm trying to think about how to make it a little more generic than specific because I think that's the first part of it is that it has to be really specific to whoever it is that you're working with. Mm -hmm. So whether it's uh, a freelancer that we're working with um, or someone that's uh, new on the team or someone that like I'm freshly working with on a new project on the team, something like that, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, the most specific things I can think of are just being able to have the conversation first and say, okay, so based on this project that we're working on, you know, project or task or whatever it is, Going through and you say, like, you know, whose who's duty is what? And it's not that that's like a major step, but we maybe that's all, like, always understood. Like, oh, I have the this idea for a marketing campaign. I'm coming to you to uh, design the graphic for it or the ad for it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's mainly just saying, like, what are you going to need to get the job done well? And just mm-hmm. to say, like, because and I think the most important thing about it now that I'm kind of talking through it is the fact that you're expressing the care or that you're acknowledging that they need something to get it done. And that mm-hmm. it's not just on them to solve and meet all of their own needs. Mm-hmm. And as a manager, like I think about it, I, you know, I've not led very many people in my career. I'm still very early on in that journey. But when I know, like for myself, I've when I've when a manager is giving me a task or something to work on, a project to own, there's things that I know I'm going to have to figure out. I'm going to need some budget to get something done, or I might need this other tool to something you were talking. Uh, but even just like things get way more tangible than just tools and resources, it's access to people, it's access to ideas, it's timely mm-hmm. feedback, it's any of these things that are going to be inhibitors to getting the project done. If I know I'm going to need buy-in from someone, I'm not going to need access to talk with them. I know mm-hmm. in, in that the access to the stakeholder can't come at the last possible step and then get squashed after two weeks of work because then it's just demoralizing. That gets down to like losing, feeling like your work has much meaning if you put in all this effort and then it gets squashed by one opinion at the end, which is so common. For sure. And, so, and yeah, you know, when I'm from, thinking about it, it's just like, what does this person really need? And thinking about, hmm. uh, I, I have cap- capacity and resources in my hands that I can distribute. And if, if all I need to do is offer them, because most people don't want to ask for things, oftentimes mm-hmm. they want to show that they're being self sufficient. They don't want to look at it as someone who needs extra help to get things done. So it's your man- job as a manager to just offer the help that you know you already have in your hands to give. And that doesn't mean that uh, they're going to take you up on it every time or that they even need to, but just offering it and expressing it is the most one of the most important things. I also think that uh, many managers like me have are both leading people and have deliverables of their own. Mm-hmm. And so it's real easy to get head down into those deliverables and forget that one of my jobs as a leader is to make your job great. It's just, you know, yeah. how do I figure out if you, if you've got a problem, if, if, you know, if it's a, 
if it's a fundamental problem, like my computer doesn't work or something like that, I need to, I need to take that on myself as the, as the manager and go, I'm going to solve that problem. Or if there are relational mm-hmm. issues or if there are, are uh, we need more creative input or we need more um, consulting that will help us understand the problem that we're, we're trying to solve. My role as a leader is to help solve those problems. Now, that doesn't mean I come down from on high with, you know, the, the granite tablets and say, this is the right thing to do. That means that we sit down and we talk about it. Um, oftentimes, as a manager, I find myself, when, when I'm uh, supporting my teammate, just by listening, providing enough questions for them to figure it out on their own. I don't mm-hmm. even have to come down with, like, here's my you know, sage wisdom. It's just yeah, they, they figure it out. But it's it's mm-hmm. finding that place where where people are in that one to ten scale of anxiety and trying to trying to meet them where they are appropriately and give them what they need to move forward and to to lower the the DEFCON level. So Yeah, and I think another part about the support and encourage the team is when when someone tells you they need something, you gotta follow through. Right. If you don't follow through and you don't come through, then they're gonna stop asking for it. And then you're gonna wonder yep. why things don't move as well, they don't get done as quickly, things don't get done as well. Uh, to the level that you expect them to, people seem unengaged or they just you know, are haphazard about things or ho-hum. Yeah. But uh, that's the biggest factor is if you're going to offer help, you have to follow through in giving it. You can't you can't just take it and then say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry I forgot about this. I just had this other stuff come up. It's like, oh, apparently this other stuff's more important than me and the need that I told you I have after you asked if I had any. So that's a really big factor is following for through sure. on delivering. Yeah, and a little PS to that. Um, be careful of the eye rolls and of the statement, quote-unquote, I'm really busy. You know, Because when everybody's managers continue... Yeah, everybody's busy. And when managers say they're busy, their team members don't think that they can interrupt them. If, they're, if you're always like, you know, hey, hey, Chris, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm just so busy. You're going to be like, well, should I interrupt him for this? But... But that's my job is to be is to be supportive of you, and so managers be super careful about that kind of stuff. Or somebody brings a problem to you, and you're like, oh, "Seriously again?" I mean, they pick up on that, and then they stop coming, and mm-hmm. that really changes things. Um, the next one kind of connects to that one a little bit differently. It says, "We believe that great management makes for great companies, and that employees thrive where managers thrive." Now. One of the reasons why I think that's super important is because managers have to take care of themselves. And some of my my very teammates, people like the guy I'm talking to, Michael, <laughs> will make sure that I have some self-care. Are you getting some time off? Are you modeling that? Are you modeling the fact that you're getting some time away so that you can be creative, you can be refreshed, you can be you know excited about, the, the, about it? It's really mm-hmm. important that managers take care of managers. And if you're managing managing other managers, boy, that's a tongue twister. If you're managing other managers, you need to be not just asking them about the people that are reporting to them, but how are they doing? How are they feeling about the amount of vision that they have to give to their team? Where is their tank being filled? And do they need to, to get away or, or have a break or come up with a creative project that refreshes them? Mm-hmm. So that one is for me, uh, that's kind of a big one for me personally because uh, I've burnt out and I've had my boss look at me and say, I want you out of here for a certain amount of time so you can go refresh. And nobody should get to that point. But I did and my my manager was great. I mean, he told me to get out. Yeah, and this this statement can look like we just think managers are the greatest thing to ever happen to companies and people, but that's actually not what it's about at all because it says great management makes for great companies. And that employees thrive or managers thrive. That's what you just said. That's the statement. And I think a 
partially it's just common sense because you could have great managers uh, or terrible managers and great employees and they're all going to quit because who wants to work for a terrible manager? Right. They're all going to go somewhere where they can find a great manager. And so in that sense, a good manager is going to do the things that's going to help encourage the and create the environment that people need to succeed. You think how think about anyone you've talked to that's like kind of ragging on their manager. They're pessimistic. Mm, totally. It's a bad attitude. They have a bad, not that the person is maybe maybe they rightfully have that attitude, but they have a negative attitude or negative view towards that person and they're bringing that with them. Anytime there's a scenario with that manager, around that manager, and that's right. always at work. So if you have a manager who's doing that and bringing that attitude and that emotion or causing that emotion amongst their team, that's going to be unhelpful in producing a great company. Yeah, exactly. And I like the, I like the fact that you kind of, kind of qualified that because, again, this is all about um, roles and not levels. When mm-hmm. I think of a company, I don't think of exactly. the, uh, you know that the manager is better than the team member or anything like that. It's just a role. And so my role may be as the co-founder of Uptick. And there are other people that aren't the co-founder of Uptick. But Uptick would not exist without those other people being fantastic at their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think if we think about it as roles and not levels, that will get us where we need to go. Um, yeah, totally. And just to tag onto that a little bit, mm-hmm. roles and levels, like, those that's an important distinction because uh, everyone has a role to play on a team. Even think about it like uh, in in a software team, uh, there's the engineers that are writing writing the software. There's designers that are helping design what is this that's going to happen, and then there's someone that's wrangling all of it to help make sure it all gets done because everyone's focused on their own task. That doesn't mean that whoever's wrangling the tasks is more important than the people doing them or anything totally. like that. <laughs> Totally. It's, it's a skill set. It's a role. It's something unique in its own way. And just like we have certain requirements for different roles and like proficiency that you have to have, if you're going to be a leader of people, you have to have a different set of proficiencies to be able to do that well. Yeah, absolutely. In the couple of minutes we have left here, there's two more that are, are super important. The first one is that we believe that employees deserve to understand the clear expectations of their managers. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have had many situations, both, you know, Different, different, uh, at different times, not with each other, but on other teams, where we've uh, seen how the lack of clear expectations has just driven morale into the ground, because people are being held accountable for uh, for responsibilities they didn't know they had. They walk into a meeting, they get excoriated by their boss for not doing something, and they're looking at them like, "I didn't even know I was supposed to do that." And that's one mm-hmm. of the things we built into Uptick is how do we get team members together on the same page. So we can all say, yeah, this is the work we're going to do. We're agreed on that. We're agreed on on doing whatever we need to do to remove the obstacles and to provide the resources needed to do these things. And that provides accountability, excuse me, accountability for both managers and their team members. Uh, because we've all yeah. agreed. We've been in the room together. We both heard it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that this is a globally true statement, but I think that I'll say it for myself. Anyone that is uh, thinking like 10 steps down the road and they've got some vision for where this thing is going, I have a hard time always expressing clearly what my expectations are for those that are helping get the project done. Because my Mm. brain will be three steps down the road or however many steps it is at the time. And I know why it's important, why we're doing it, where we're trying to go, and then what's going to happen after we do that. And the people on the team are trying to 
trying to like they want to help make that all happen because they're just as energized about what we're doing. Uh, but if I don't do a good job of expressing the expectations and like what all is included in that, and that could be as simple as like the details of the scope of what we're going to work mm-hmm. on, like what's going to happen in this phase and what's going to happen in mm-hmm. that phase. But even just like, you know, how many hours are we going to work on this project? And I think what what feels tough for me as a person who um, is thinking a little bit like down the road and like this project and then after that we're going to have this and we've got a lot of ideas of where we're going to go, setting expectations, which means setting realistic expectations, not right. the expectations I have in my own head, sometimes sucks because I am met with the reality of how much work something will actually take. And mm. setting a realistic expectation of how long it's going to take something to get done doesn't mean how long would it take me to get done if I just worked uh, 16 hours for the next eight days to get it all done. You know, mm-hmm. I don't actually desire personally to do that. So why would I say that that should be possible for someone else or other people? Right. And right. being able to sit down and be like, okay, here's when I think we can get it done. Like just before this conversation, I was on a call where we were setting expectations for like the next uh, few steps of a project. Like, okay, so this will be done by this date. And I, I was saying, you know, is that does that feel aggressive? Does that feel realistic? Or does that feel conservative? Hmm. I was like, oh, well, that actually feels like it's more like the aggressive. I was like, okay, well, given that there's already some unknowns and that's your aggressive estimate, let's set it to be more like even keel, like a normal expectation, not like Mm -hmm. if everything goes right, what will it be? Right. Because with enough unknowns, we shouldn't assume that it's all going to go right. And we're like, yeah. But it's because people want to please. They want to have things happen. They want them to get to the next level. But And it doesn't feel good to like extend timelines or anything like that. And not that setting expectations means you have to extend timelines, but being able mm-hmm. to be realistic about them so that you're both on the same page. That way you're not disappointed when the time comes because you both talked about it and agreed on it. Absolutely. And that leads right into the last We Believe statement where we talk about um, how uh, we believe that employees and managers alike should be challenged and given the opportunity to grow. So even the situation that you just outlined of the meeting today, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about how do we challenge ourselves, but not make it an unrealistic challenge that negatively Mm -hmm. affects our morale. How do we push each other? How do you push as a manager of the project? How do they push back? And and to get the best result. I mean, we're all wanting the same thing. We all want to be fulfilled and have that purpose. Yeah. And even in scenarios like I'm not, I'm not the manager of the project. I'm just another contributing team member. But what we still all can play a role in like helping these expectations uh, work well. But then also how do we you're right. Like challenge each other to not just say what's the what's the simplest bar that we can jump over, uh, but how do we 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 all want to work together and work hard and get things get real good things done. But I think that we're enabled to do that with our team because we've been doing the work in all the previous steps that we were just mm. talking about to this whole podcast. Not that we're doing everything right. I mean, we're messing things up all the time, but <laughs> exactly. But it's it's by focusing in the fact that we care about them. And that more often than not, like, where it's encouraged or it's reminded that these other things are things that we actually do believe and we do care about. Those things give us the opportunities to mess up, and things are still okay. It doesn't just turn into turn off the call and then fume about it. Sure, that's going to happen, but that's not the norm because uh, we've been building into the relational equity of our teams. 
Absolutely. And and we hope to to spark a conversation between you and your teams, those of you that are listening to this. We'll put these points in our show notes as well as a couple of uh, links to the blogs and to the, the Simon Sinek video. But feel free to, to reach out to us. We'll have some, uh, some Twitter handles in the show notes as well. We'd like to hear your experiences and the things that you believe about your work because mm-hmm. we're open to changing some of our we believes too when we hear something better than what we've got. Anything to yeah, add, Michael? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think what you added there is great. We have, we've got some things that we believe, but it's not everything we believe. <laughs> There's a lot more That's to right. it. It could be That's a lot right. longer. So I'd love to hear what other people are saying. Absolutely. Great. Talk to you later, Michael. Probably this way. Probably not in person, but we'll talk yeah. a little bit on video. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to Let's Talk Teams. We really would love to add you to the conversation. So please hit us up at Uptick App, or Michael and I also have our Twitter handles in the show notes. And if you'd like to try our one-on-one software, give it a shot with your team. Check it out at uptickapp.com.